Neda Dixon is the founder of London-based fashion label Lavan Stories. Born into an Iranian heritage, Neda was raised in a traditional household by her stay-at-home mother and her father who owned a successful business. Neda fell in love with fashion from an early age, refusing to dress on anyone else's terms but her own. At just 11 years old, she created a book called The World in Neda's Eyes, where she wrote, When I'm older, I want to be a fashion designer. This early passion led her to study fashion design at university and following one career change and the realisation that being happy wasn't about her bank account, but instead doing what she loves, she went on to establish Lavan Stories in 2018. In this episode, we discuss the financial stigma of working in the fashion and creative industries, making sacrifices and building a social media presence, which isn't always an easy journey. Neda also has an overwhelming love affair with her customers. At the heart of Lavand is the concept, functionality over a pretty design. Can she sit in it, dance in it, hold a roll on the tube in it? Neda is such an inspiration, and if she has taught us anything, it would be that trial and error plays a massive part in running a fashion business and with growth. Overall, this motivational podcast doesn't shy away from the challenges and prescribes a lot of tough love, or as Neda puts it, don't just be motivated when things are good, always be motivated. I hope you enjoyed this episode guys, and if you do love it, please recommend it to someone you know will find this valuable, and leave us a 5 star review on Apple. Welcome to the Designer to Designer podcast show. This is a safe space created for aspiring and startup fashion designers or entrepreneurs. Through this podcast show, I sit down with some of your favorite independent designers and give you exclusive behind the scenes access to their lives and brands. I aim to make sure you get to know the designers for who they are and finally engage with relatable stories. We touch on everything from mindset to finances to their childhoods and their biggest, wildest fashion dreams. This podcast is hosted by yours truly, Rebecca Tembo, founder of a self-titled women's wear label and the entry platform which produces this show. Now sit tight, enjoy the ride and get ready to be blown away by today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, Nate. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. Hello. So do you mind introducing yourself and letting us know a little bit about you? Yes. So I'm Neda Dixon and I own the brand The Van Stories. I've been doing the brand and having the business for about three years now. So it's still a baby, even though it, still, it feels like it's been 100 years. But yeah, it's still a bit of a baby, kind of slowly growing. So yeah, that's me so far. Amazing. So... Let's take it back to the beginning. Tell us about your early days and your upbringing. So where are you from? I know you live in East London now. So yeah, your background. I'm Iranian and I was born in London. Both my parents are Iranian and they are quite traditional in the sense, just like a traditional Iranian household. So we used to live in North London um, in Cockfosters. So my dad lives here in East. He's been here for a while. So that's why when we got a house, because my husband's from East London, it just made sense to be here. And um, all my friends, family, everybody is in North. So it's a bit of a different, like where I went uni, everything's in North. But um, but yes, I've been here for about five, six years now. And um, I, I mean, as upbringing wise, just like a nice normal <laughs> upbringing, nothing crazy, but I had the kind of mum at home situation looking after us I've got an older brother and dad out working so in that sense that's what I mean by traditional like that's he kind of wanted it that way and he was like I'm going to be the man of the house you stay with the kids make sure they're okay so I got to see both sides um my dad's got quite a successful business so I was very I was around that a lot 
as much as I was obviously at home with my mum and saw her be like the best mum ever, I kind of always had it in me that I'm going to do both. I don't know why, I don't know what, nobody even said anything or it wasn't even a thing, but I was just like, right, I'm going to be a great mum. I'm not a mum now. And I'm going to have an amazing business just from day one. So that's, that's probably what I was around a lot. And I saw a lot. Half the time when I was younger, I didn't know what he even does or what's even going on. But I just knew he's just busy all the time. And I was like, I want to be busy all the time. So that's probably something that's been with me all the time. And then fashion literally has come out of nowhere. No, I don't have any like family or anybody in fashion. I don't even know where it came from. Yeah, it's just something I always, always had in my mind. Because it's so different to what my dad did. It's not like I wanted to do what he does and carry on the family business. Like I knew I wanted nothing to do with that. I just wanted to be like him in a way, mm. business-wise. So, yeah, that was probably my youngest influence. It's interesting you say that because I was just about to ask you, what do you think made you want to go into fashion and be an entrepreneur and everything? And typically you hear a lot of guests saying, oh, yeah, I saw my mum doing this or whatever, but you also saw your mum, like, running the household. And that's yeah. a busy job in itself as well. You had uh, yeah. you have a brother, so I guess maybe that could have inspired it too. But I definitely get what you mean. I remember when I was younger and I was like, when I'm older, I want to be so busy that I didn't have time for a boyfriend. I literally remember myself saying that. So weird. <laughs> it's like with my mum, she had her own dreams and things she wanted to do, but they came over so young and just had to make light. Like they had to start living. They, you know, she was like 21 or something and they had two kids. So they didn't, she didn't even have time to focus on that. She's in another country. She has no idea what's going on. She can't even speak the language. He couldn't at first and was going out there and trying to find things to do and eventually succeeded. But she kind of was so focused on just concentrating on us that she didn't... I mean, she dabbled in things that she wants to do and here and there, but the setup that they agreed, which is completely different setup to what me and my husband would agree for our kids and our lives. But what they agreed was you stay home and do this. And she was happy to, and I'm going to go and do what I'm doing and work really hard. But that's probably something that I remember thinking like, like to my mom, like, no, go. But then I'm like, oh no, who's going to look after me? I'm only five, you know, because it kind of, it kind of makes you look around a bit, but I only know that now. Like I had no idea about it. I wasn't thinking this actively at a young age. Only now when I look back and try and understand things about myself and like other people around me, that these things piece together. But the fashion is, again, it's just something that, I think I just loved clothes. My mum says I used to always fight with her to put my own clothes on. I would dress up in the most crazy outfits to go nursery. She was like, no, you can't wear this. It's not even, you can't even fit through the door. Like wings and things and just, it was crazy. But yeah, when I think about where that came from, it was such a young age and there was no real... Inf oh, my mum obviously was a beautiful woman, but it's not like she was heavily into fashion or some glamorous... Like, I don't know where it came from, but that's why I wanted. I knew I had to follow it because it, it was like inside there. It was weird to even do something else or think about something else. Okay, so what did you do before fashion then? Before so I went, to, I went to uni and studied fashion. Luckily, the, my where I lived, the uni was at the end of the road. I went to Middlesex University. It's not there now. It's just a bunch of flats. It was had a really good fashion course. So I went and did fashion. And at, you know, A-levels, I did art. Like, I was always in art, fashion, something to do with creative stuff. I was always doing that. And then um, I went to uni, studied fashion design, which was great. But, I mean, I mean, I think now there's so many more courses and things you can do, like, more business-related. 
but I did fashion and then I came out, did loads of, you know, interning with designers and doing this, that, the other. That's when I was just so like, optimistic, like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And I knew it was a designer. It wasn't, um, and I knew it would be my own design for myself. I didn't even think to, because a lot of the my uni friends who went off and did amazing work placements and actually got jobs at big designers, because luckily my, um, I don't even know why, because it was such a random place. It wasn't like London College of Fashion or St. Martin's, but my tutors were like designers. We had Mario Schwab was one of my tutors. He was amazing. And I was just like, I can't believe this guy is here. But, um, and yeah, we had so many guest tutors that came in and did speak like speak to us or with us for a week or little crash courses with them. But it was all heavily design based, not business. It was very, very like, this is how you sew, this is how you make things. So that's why when I left, I was a bit like, well, I've got to go make some clothes now. I just, you know, after doing interning, after doing that, I just felt like this is getting a bit, how long can I do this for? So I ended up changing direction and I just thought I had an opportunity to do I went into construction and like planning and I mean the job that I was doing didn't require you to know too much about construction you kind of it was just a planning job so I was planning the actual builds planning what who you know for example which supplier can get in so then my company can finish the cabling and it was all very it's very confusing but it was a software that we use and it was really well paid and it was like crazy to say no. And I just thought, I'm going to do this. If it's great, amazing. And forget the fashion thing. I'll just have a blog. I'll just do fashion myself. But this is amazing because it's just so, you know, it's not even secure because it's a contracting job. I could be gone any day. But, you know, it, it, it sounds really, I felt a bit stupid now saying it, but it was, it was well paid. And that's the only reason I was like, I'm going to do it. Why would I not be happy? Of course, this is great. After five years, you're like, I, I was so low, so low. And I thought, I don't understand. Because you just, you're young and you're like, you know, I, I'm paying my bills. I'm doing well. What is wrong with me? And I just realized, I thought, I can't do this anymore. I can't sit in this office anymore. I can't do this. This is not me. This is not real. And no amount of money will make this suddenly be okay. So I just thought, do you know what? I've done enough. I've saved enough. I'm going to now launch. Whatever it is, I'm going to do it because this is what I want to do. And I'm getting older. <laughs> like, I can't, I don't want to wait anymore. So, yeah, that's basically what I did. And then I went back, back into it and started the brand, basically. And that's how it kind of, it felt right to do it that way. And obviously, when I had it going a little bit, that's when I started to leave my job. Like, went part-time and then slowly, slowly, I transitioned to just being focused on the business. Okay, I'm excited to get into that. But just quickly, to go back a bit, tell us about that book that you basically created when you were yeah. 11 years old, just talking about your future and everything. I love that because I feel like I've definitely probably created a few books where I've just written out my life story. I don't even remember it. That's the weird thing. So because I moved house, I found, I've got it here. <laughs> so this book is there's the world in Nedda's eyes. It, I mean, look, look at it. Like, look how it's named. <laughs> It's so old though, you can see, you I know, can see it's, it's been loved. <laughs> it's crazy. So it had like loads of different things, but I framed the other one because like, this is like nearly out the door. So like, this is the one where I just wrote, um, when I'm older, I want to be a fashion designer or a photographer. I love art, so I want to be something to do with it. And I want to be better at maths. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing that I still need to work on. But um, yeah, and I just thought, when I read, I literally found it, obviously after I started the brand, and I thought, oh my God. 
And it all started to come back to me. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I've written that I'm 11 on here. That's how I know. 11 and five months, by the way. I It kind of made it more official. Because when I've had days where I'm like, oh, do you know what? Just fuck this. Mm-hmm. I've, this made me realise at a young age I wanted it. And there's no real reason apart from it was just within me. So it kind of keeps me going. Like, to anybody else that has a passion about something, whether it's whatever... If they really want it, they don't know how to do it or they don't know why, this made me want to tell people, like, look, I didn't even know why. And I tried my, I went away and then I came back again because it really is so strong when you want something and you you settle or you just find another job or you settle because this pays more. or this, That sometimes for some people it's fine and that's okay. But for me, that wasn't enough. I had to wake up and be, like, so excited. Like, being successful was doing what I love, not my bank account at that time doing something I hate. It'd be lovely when they marry, you know, you love it and you get you know, paid well, but it's not all about that. And that's what I just didn't want anyone else to feel like they have to go a route that just, I understand you've got to pay bills. I understand that is important, but if you try, if you work hard at whatever the thing that you love is, it will work out somehow it will, because you're so focused on it, it will work out. And I just chose happiness over the other things like eventually Do you feel like sometimes with that you can only realize that once you've made some money mm. and once you feel a bit comfortable yeah that's what yeah because I remember I think it must have been Stephen's podcast and he was talking you know diary of a CEO he yeah. was talking about um like how money doesn't mean anything but he's like he could only say that now that he's a millionaire yeah Whereas when he was like 18 and broke or even 25, it was like money was super important because he needed to survive. And obviously, like he loves the fact that he has money because he's very comfortable um, after selling his company and everything. But yeah, you can only really say that once you're like, OK, I've made some money, right? At the time, I was like, I'm, I'm going to love doing something else. Forget this fashion. I was in like a love-hate thing with it because it was so stressful, so hard. And then I just thought, forget it. And I'll be fine. And then as time went on, that's when I realised that I need to figure out how to make myself happy and obviously pay my bills. Like, we're not, you know, we're not here to just have fun. Like, you need to survive. But to myself, I was saying you need to figure this out because you're so not happy. And what is the point getting up, going to this job that you're not happy with? And then it's like, oh, okay, I can buy things. I can pay my bills. But what about you? At the end of the day, what happens? You just, you're like a robot. So that's, that's something I really wanted to tell people, like younger girls who are not sure what to do or don't know what their passion is. You can find it if you really, really try and think about what makes you happy and then figure out how to make money from it. Perfect. So before we get into your brand, you already started selling wholesale pieces. So you already actually started your brand. It was just through a wholesale business model. Yeah. So tell us about that experience and how it prepared you for your brand today. Well, when I decided to do it, I just, I had no idea. First of all, I didn't even have an Instagram or following or anything. And I felt like if I have this, I'm going to work so hard, make these clothes, have this website. And it's like nobody there, which it is. There's just no one. You're not talking to anyone. So I just thought, let me just try buying, you know, not everyone has to do it this way around. But for me, I wanted to just put a, you know, it's a lower risk. You're not buying masses of stock. You can buy loads of different things. It was like a market research. I was testing what works, what doesn't work. Get a following. This was the plan that I had in my mind that I kind of tried to keep along with. When I have a bit of a customer base, you know, ask them. Instead of trying to find all these new people whoever's here talk to them like you've already got these people invested cater to them 
you know, as the years went on, you know, I, I knew what sales, what kind of things that I, the customers that are coming to me like, um, what kind of styles they want, what kind of things they want, what size ranges people need or, or prefer, and also kind of growing the brand with them because it's like, okay, you've got this stuff. Now I'm going to answer all your questions, all the things that you were like, oh, I wish this was like this or I wish this was this or did you do, do bigger sizes, smaller sizes? Put them all together and actually give what the current people that are following the brand and invested wanted um, and they obviously know that from because they've been there from the beginning. And I just felt like it would be the best way for me to know what I want to design because I wasn't even too sure then. And when I look at designs from the beginning, because I've always been designing the whole way, it's so I don't even know who that person is. I'm like, what? What is this stuff? But now I feel like I've got a lot more stronger um, understanding of what I want to give people. Because obviously I'm not going to just sit here and make everything everybody wants because I can't cater to everyone. But it's a good combination of what people have requested and what I want to give and what I believe like the Levand girl is and what she should wear. So yeah, the, the wholesale route worked for me because of that. I just thought I don't want to just go in all out. I'd rather just do it slowly, slowly and make sure that I'm doing it properly as opposed to just getting excited and starting a brand from no reason like nothing but you don't have to do it that way and there's loads of people that do it the other way and it's great it's just for me it did feel right I did, I wasn't ready to go straight in and then you mentioned growing like your social media so that by the time you did go and launch your own designs you'll be able to have a customer base ready what were some things that you did to grow your social media accounts the main thing I tried to focus on which I'm trying to now instill even more in the brand was like a bit of a community around the brand and have women kind of not just coming to the page and coming to the website to just shop. I wanted them to all speak to each other and that's because it's obviously Levan stories. I wanted there to be some sort of, you know, connection between everybody's stories and all the women that are shopping for me, the way they wear things and the way they style things. So I try to always make sure if they could send me pictures or if they, you know, if they could let me know how they felt in the clothes and things like that, that I could put on the, on the page, on the Instagram and make other people who come realize that this isn't just a bunch of clothes and you can just, you know, it's just no substance. You can actually come and be part of a community. And obviously it's really hard. It's not easy because it's so, you know, there's so many brands. It's, it's hard to actually get through, but I just try to stay consistent and just, you know, keep posting keep you know using friends trying to get pictures on whoever I can doing content myself but the main thing was probably just creating content and being consistent and not kind of just letting the Instagram die out after a few weeks of you get moments where there's no sales or you're like stressed out or something I just tried to always keep going like I didn't have a choice and I loved it so it would be crazy to not keep pushing it but that slowly slowly obviously working with some influencers that really helped to grow the bit of a following and obviously the following isn't everything it's you know it doesn't always convert into sales just because you have 100,000 followers doesn't mean I've got that much coming in every day but it helped me to see that okay what I'm doing is working in a way and okay just to keep doing it and keep keep growing and keep changing things as well not trying to stay the same but keep giving because there are people that want to know and they want to buy they want to see so just not letting those down 
and the people who are there. That's why my main focus focusing on whoever is there and not trying to be so obsessed with more and new people, which is amazing, but trying to not forget the ones that are there. Like, hey, I'm already invested. Like, talk to me. Yeah, exactly. What I'm interested in is the conversation that you had with your husband when you decided that, you know what, I'm going to go full time. Because like you said, you have the house, you live in London, you have expenses. <laughs> what was that sort of conversation? Was he supportive? Like, what did he think about yeah, it? Yeah, no, he's super supportive because he was like, I can't hear you moaning one more time about your job. <laughs> and, you know, he was really supportive. And when we were doing the wholesale side of it, he would come because I'd go to Paris to do buying. Um, and, you know, we drive to Paris, load up the car, come back. Like, he was so supportive. And then eventually... I would just fly, do it myself because I had a good relationship with the suppliers. They would just ship things. And it was just, you know, you're learning how to do it yourself. But he was very supportive because I had worked already and saved and like had a plan. And it wasn't detailed and all this professional business kind of thing. But I, I had a plan and I and it and it to be honest, on a basic level, it made sense and it was logical. And then I was like, and if it doesn't work, you know, I'll go and do what I was doing before because that's still available to me but he just wanted me to just be happy that was the main thing he doesn't have a passion like me obviously his passion is just working and making money like he just wants to be successful so he did he he does the same job as that I was doing he's still a planner that's what he does that's his job and he kind of was like look if I had some sort of certain drive to do something I would want you to support me and so yeah you've got it you want to do it so go for it but You've got to be like logical about it as well. You can't just head in the clouds and make some clothes and think mm. you're going fashion week tomorrow. Like that's not what it's about. That's good. No, I'm really happy you're supportive. You hear some stories where it's like, maybe in the beginning, they're like, oh my God, what are you doing? You know, that sort of thing. But having a yeah. supportive partner or friends and family, it's it does really help with the journey. But that's amazing. So um, talk to me about the early days of creating your brand now so not the wholesale part but more the the design part um that you're doing now like what did that look like I know we had loads of conversations on the phone or whatsapp and you were like updating each other what we're doing like what was going on um tell me some challenges that you're faced whilst rebranding and all of that good stuff um well I started the pandemic when it first started I just thought okay this is the best time to do it I mean it's really weird because at that time the brand was actually doing like the best it's ever done with just the current wholesale pieces and I just you know it it does give you that oomph and you're like okay right I've got to do it now because it's hot it's there's people interested and you just got to do it now you don't want it to die down and jump on the, the momentum train and it just, it did motivate me. That's one thing I've remembered, not to get motivated when things are good. Like, always be motivated, you know? Because it's, it's like this, it's always up and down. Yeah. But yeah. that did give me the boost to be like, but I've got to do it now. I, it's, it's been two years, I need to do it. So I literally just designed everything, researched where to get stuff made. And it was initially in China. I had it initially abroad and... Um, I was more focused on just designing what is what is it that I want to make. And then once I figured that out, um, kind of talking with the factories and things, I, I really want to make it in the UK. And I would love to, you know, when I'm talking to the factory, they are saying that they'll send me this and send me that and FaceTime samplings and, you know, sample sessions. And I just thought, I can't do that. I, I know what I'm like. It will stress me out. I need it to be right next to me. So I just thought, right, I know what I want now. I found a pattern cutter. I found 
couple of factories, worked with a pattern cutter, I just got the initial, you know, sampling made and things. And then I just thought, okay, I can do it here. And if it doesn't work here, I've still got a backup, but let me try and do it here. So I literally just went to like, I don't know, 20 factories, just all over London. I just took, because I had the samples and it's easier to be like, this is it. You know, obviously you've got the tech packs and you've got the drawings and the sketches, but this, they just want to know what, give me the actual thing. You know, they don't care about your mood boards and your ideas. They just want to see what it is that you want me to make. So that helped to have that. And I, and I literally, after researching a few factories and, you know, you do get a gut feeling as well, whether this one's good for you or not. I kind of just found one that I loved and they were a sampling studio as well. So we made a few more samples and then found another factory to do the production. And there was a lot of friction between the factory and you and the show. Because obviously I'm not experienced. So I'm just thinking, I'm just like, yeah, everything's going to be perfect, amazing. And it's it's not. It's hard work. It's a lot of miscommunication. And you've got to kind of just take it on the chin, like patterns not being correct, which is obviously them making samples for you or something. Sometimes some, one, some, one thing went into production and it the pattern was wrong. So it came out wrong. And I was like, oh, my God. And, you know, my pattern cutter, obviously, things happen. Things happen. So it, you had to literally be like, right, we have to scrap that. It is what it is. And we, we've got to fix the pattern and do this again. So if times like that are really, really crazy when you're like, what? Because you're just expecting, like, well, just make it. Here it is. Just make it. And it's not like that. And I was like this is why I wanted to be here because I was going to the factory every day. And that's how I noticed the thing that went wrong. Um, that's how I noticed it. Otherwise, I, they don't know. They they just take the pattern and they just make. They're not there to check things like that for you. So, it, yeah, doing it, doing it here and getting the clothes made was something that I am so grateful I did. And obviously, I know it's not easy to do that. You can't, not everybody can do that. So if you can... And, you know, talk to them, get a low minimums, get, you know, get a few pieces made and agree something with them. And hopefully the factory will trust that you're going to grow with them and they can believe in you. That's something I'm so grateful to have. And, yeah, just driving them mad every day was just it became fun. Just sitting there going, well, what are you going to do now? What are you doing? What is this? What is this? And they obviously they were lovely. They didn't care. But I, that's one thing I, I would always recommend. So if you can do it in the UK or wherever you live, do it there because you want to be involved you know you don't just want this collection or whatever pieces turning up out of the blue and you had no say zips are different buttons are different things are different and you're like how did this happen having situations happening in the factory that you couldn't do anything but laugh like <laughs> otherwise you're crying on the floor you know but I still got my fabric from abroad and that was a, a, a situation where like fabric was arriving dirty footprints everything like imagine 30 meters of fabric just filthy and it's on a roll so you don't see everything and then when they're pulling it out it's like oh my god so it's taking it to the dry cleaner taking it and cleaning it and it, who am I talking to the, the fact the supplier that sent it abroad isn't even answering their phone anymore like they don't even care it's done so that's why you get really like oh my god but then it's in a way it's fun this is the point of it what's the fun of it if it all just happens smoothly it's, but for me not someone else but for me I'd probably get bored again and be like well this is too easy <laughs> no it's, it's true so what did you do in those moments where you felt like oh this is a lot this is annoying me do you have a support group um, that you know in the industry that you're just like girls let's cry together you know yeah, I mean, I did drive my friends mad because obviously then none of them are in the industry and know too much about it. But 
I would have moments like that, but it was mainly my husband when I tell him, he was like, okay, so what are you going to do about it? Fix it and move on. Or if I worked with a factory that was stressing me out, he's like, change it then. If he's good, if you like him, just get the job done. Who cares? You're not here to be friends. If you, if you were friends, amazing. But if you love their quality, their work is good, their price is good, just get the job done and just and then move on. He was very like, anything you do is your fault because it's your business. So if you work with someone you're not happy with, if a videographer, photographer, model, star, whoever you work with that you book to work with, if it's not good, if it doesn't work out, you need to take responsibility and it's your fault because you selected it. You know, you need to start stepping up and right, that was wrong. I'm not going to do that again and move on. You can't cry about it and be stressed about it. And then that's what kicked me up the arse. I was like, oh, okay. And it helps because now I'm like, yeah, I don't like this. Okay, I need to to pivot. I need to do something else. Find a new thing, find a new person, find a new supplier. It's fine. Just find a new one. There's millions out there. It's Mm. fine. Uh, And not take anything personally. Like, it's not personal. Everyone is going through their own thing. Everyone's thinking about their own stresses and own things. You know, at the factory, if something goes wrong, it's not personal dig at Nedda. It's just things are just stressing everybody out. So that's one thing I'd probably say was really, really helpful to me. And also remembering this. Like, you said you wanted to do it, right? Do it. That's it. That's that's probably what keeps me going. No, it's so true, like. I always say, because my boyfriend will be complaining about work, for example, and I'll be like, you grafted for this job, like grafted, you do not yeah. have the right to complain right now, and you've got a job in, in a pandemic, like you have to go and just smash yeah. it and enjoy it, and he says the same thing to me, because it's so easy to yeah. say to other people, and then you don't even take that same advice, or like, I'll complain about something, and then I'll get over it and do it. But if he comes to me and says something, I'm like, okay, so what are you going to do about it? And I won't yeah. take that same behavior. Up. Yeah, it's like, come on, let's let's get to work because you actually waste so much time. But I feel like as you get used to things, you just get better at dealing with situations. Yeah. It, it becomes a lot more easier, like not necessarily the issues, but just the way you deal with them. And it's just like, okay, cool. Yeah. Bad things happen. It is what it is. Like, what can we do about it? And like you said, with your last point as well, like nobody gives a fuck about you. Like, and, and that's in the yeah. nicest way possible. Yeah, yeah, not in yeah. Room, Everyone is dealing with their own shit. Yeah, like no one's going to go to bed and think, oh my God, I didn't make Rebecca's face. Like no one cares, you know? <laughs> Obviously yeah. they care to an extent, but they're not dreaming about me. It's not on the top of their minds. They have their, their own stuff going on. And I think sometimes, especially in fashion, especially with garment workers, we forget that they do have their own lives outside of this. And yeah. we have to kind of respect that but obviously as a business and as you being their client they do also have an obligation to make sure that yeah. they're taken care they of want to grow, they want to grow a relationship with you and work with you mm-hmm. but the thing is like my sample studio one of the factories i work with he's absolutely amazing like literally he's just so nice and he's so good to me and i had you know you can get lost in oh can you do this can you do that can you change it last minute things putting things on him and then I need to realise, okay, he's all, you know, just because you're friendly and there's a good relationship, don't take the piss either. Like, everyone's human, there's only a certain amount of workload. And obviously people want, there were some, you know, he wants to please, he, he's so lovely that you want to say yes to everything. Mm. But there's times when you also need to step back and be like, okay, listen, this, I'm not going to message him at 1am and say, can you make sure that the lining is right or whatever you want to say? Because you don't. No, just relax and call him at a normal hour in the morning. Um, that's how things get blurred. But yeah, it is really important to kind of focus on why you're doing it and what made you start it. Otherwise, when things happen, you do get stressed and you want to say, I'm done. Yeah. Like, I'm done. 
and then it's like okay all of this effort for what exactly Exactly. yeah so you mentioned on Instagram that it was common for people to say like how are you going to make money or make a living from fashion like how are you going to succeed and what I would want to know and I guess a lot of people listening as well would be how did you turn those doubts into a reality but also how did you like stop that from seeping in because sometimes we don't realize but other people's doubts projected onto us can paralyze our actions we yeah. can really stop doing what we need to do. But you've mentioned that every day you make sure you're motivated, you make sure your content still gets done, that sort of thing. So, yeah, how did you do it? You know, obviously, when I was younger, I always wanted, like I said, I wanted to do fashion. And I was just, I had no idea what that even meant. But I was like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. When you get a bit more, you know, 15, 16, and you're with family, friends, kids, and this one wants to be a doctor, and this one wants to be an accountant or whatever, and you're like, oh, I'm going to be a designer. And... At that age, you know, we're a bit older now, and they're like, what do you, what do you mean? What are you going to do? What is that even, oh, how are you going to make money? And obviously, we're young, so they're just taking the piss out of you. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know, but I'll figure it out. Because I didn't know. I don't know what I'm, how it's going to work. And But that's what, it was like, the way you want to be a doctor, amazing. I want to be this. Why am I, why am I put down? Why is mine not real? Why is my dream and my, you know, passion not real? How do you even know? Where did you get this opinion from? You know, because it is known, old-fashioned designers, everyone, nobody makes money. It's just like, I'm sure every industry has this kind of thing. It's hard. Some people, not everybody is looking to be, you know, selling hundreds, millions of thousands of units of clothes. And they just want to have a passion and be successful within whatever they think is successful and do do well for themselves. So when people started saying, you're not going to make anything, I'm like, excuse me how do you know let me decide that because let me try so that's what made me feel like okay well I I need to not prove everybody wrong because it wasn't like this team of people against me but just the the typical thing that you know so hard and things that's why I thought okay I'm going to try and when I went into the other job I even unconsciously kind of probably was felt a bit defeated as well I thought well fuck it but I knew deep down inside no I'm gonna come back I just need to go and be real and not stupid, you know, save, make some money and come back. And then, you know, you need to spend a bit to make a bit. So I kind of didn't necessarily get cut off by it, but it motivated me to go away and think, actually, let me think about this. What do they mean? What is this? Because it's, it's a known thing. Like, why is why is that known to be so hard? You know, if someone said, I want to be a lawyer, you don't say, oh, God, that's going to, it's hard, but they're still getting paid. It's still going to be good. That's, like oh you're a lawyer wow it's like why do we as designers or creatives not have that same wow factor I think we maybe sort of more now but when I was at uni you know a bit younger I just it wasn't really respected I mean my family didn't really care they were like amazing whatever you want to do my dad was supportive like that, that one thing he always said was just have a plan make sure you know what you're doing and obviously I'll help you if you need anything but you are on your own you need to figure this out because I don't know nothing about fashion. I don't know, you know, but end of the day, business is business. The, the, the foundations are the same. But yeah, it, it, that was one thing I kind of just did try not to listen to it. But I'm not going to lie and be like, oh my God, I'm so confident. It did get to me, but end of the day, I'm living this life. They're not. They're going to go off and be the doctor and the accountant and have these amazing jobs. And I'm still going to be trying to f- not do fashion because they said I can't. So yeah, that's probably something that, I kind of battled with, but it wasn't. Um, it was easy to just give up, and I was like, "I'm not giving up. I'm going to yeah. try." <laughs> it's interesting because in fashion, I feel like yes, there is that whole 
perception of if you work in fashion or if you're fashion designer anyways then you're broke if you're creative you're broke anyway it's not even true it's not true but I will say that looking at a lot of people that I know within fashion let's say they're actually working in a company as a designer or something I definitely see that they're like financially challenged and yeah. I think what people, again, people see like the glitz and glamour fashion and, you know, we watched The Hills when we were younger, like we thought that that's what it was going to be. Yeah. And you get in there and you realise that these companies don't have like money to even give yeah. you like the, the highest salaries. You know, I can't compare my friends that are investment bankers to designers. Yeah. It's just not possible because they're two different types of businesses or corporations, whatever. Um, but I also think because that narrative is there, and it's so yeah. public and it's just something that's told a lot, then designers kind of like seep into it and think, okay, well, I'm meant to be like this. You know, I had friends that were yeah, fashion. They embrace that kind yeah, of... Yeah, they embrace it. And they'll spend their last pennies on a pack of cigarettes or a drink or whatever. And I'll look at that and be like, are you crazy? Like, you just said you're broke. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. But they're, they're okay with it, you know? And it's such a shame because I feel like it shouldn't have to be the case. But I definitely think it seeped into people's mindsets. And they're like, okay, well, this is just how it's supposed to be. And I really love the fact that there are women that are actually trying to be like no I'm trying to be profitable I'm trying to be comfortable um I love Ali from AYM Studio she literally just bought a house and she did it all by herself and she's a business owner of a fashion brand you know and it's like you don't have to struggle you really do not have to but it's going to take a lot of work and obviously the initial days are not going to be like glamorous either you're not going to have that much money in the initial days yeah you start with it and what you you know, can spend what, you, also, yeah, it's a choice, you know, if you want to have a collection, and you know it's going to be quite expensive, you can't then be just spending, and really nearly going out, spending money on things, you have to sacrifice, like, for example, my sacrifice was the fact that I did a job that I absolutely hate, I mean, it sounds really bad, it wasn't that bad, but I didn't like it, I had no interest in it, so that was a sacrifice I was happy to make, and you know, when you're in a job Monday to Friday and you're not happy, so basically most of my week I was just like, man, I'm just pissed off and moody. And then you live for the weekend to go out. And I was like, what is this? And Monday to Friday, I'm like a bitch. And then Saturday, Sunday, woo-hoo. And then, it, and then it goes back again, back again. So that was, you know, a sacrifice I was willing to make because I had it in mind of what I'm going to do after. So you have to make those sacrifices and choices. Everything yeah. is a choice anyway. So you have to just make sure you're making the right choice for you and it's not for anyone else. Definitely. You also said on Instagram that you believe that functionality is more important than a pretty design. So how is that reflected in your design process? And I definitely agree as well. Like, you know, they say the new luxury is comfortability and you have to feel good. It has to be practical and that is what sells. So how does that work for you? Um, well, the main thing was everything that I had been told by customers throughout the wholesale period. Does this come longer? Or this, you know, oh, hi, how do I wear a bra with this? Or do you have bigger sizes? Do you have smaller size? Or whatever. Anything that I was told. Obviously, I, I was making notes of this and I knew when I, you know, for example, I sold blazers and quite smart clothing the best. And that is what, that's why I ended up doing blazers and tailoring because that's something I'm interested in and it's something that I find is my strength, you know. I don't, I can't design something that is, it's not just about my interest, but it's something that I'm good at and I understand. So I felt like making sure women are comfortable as opposed to me getting carried away in this amazing design of whatever it is and 
it's not the fabric isn't comfortable or yeah you want to wear a bra because I've you know my signature and thing that I love is backs and open backs it's all about the back for me um, and they're not that open if I could it the whole back would be out but it's not realistic and um, for the for just everyday life and I want my pieces to be versatile and wear it in all different kind of occasions even to work and so I kept the back quite minimal but I just thought if I've got jumpsuits, I've got um, like dresses, trousers. Can she sit in it? Can she dance in it? Can she stand on the tube and hold the rail? Can she move? Can she wear a bra? So making sure that the bras and the backs were at you know at a certain length where she could still go about her normal undergarments and things not be showing. Um, and also putting things on. Is this complicated? Can she reach this strap thing I've got going on? Is it is it like does she need someone to come and zip her in? Or you know, I wanted everything to be really really easy, and that was the main thing. And I'd get all all my friends to try things on. I mean, with my jumpsuit, it's not out yet, but you basically like a boiler suit you step into. You know, I'd watch friends try it on, and it was it was getting complicated, and it helped me to go away and uncomplicate it because this would come here and it would strap here and it would stick there, and I was like, this isn't going to work because you can't even put it on so that was the main thing and and sitting the skirt opening up the slit being too high and then you know she's wearing spanks it's going to show all, all these little things it's because I wear spanks I'm a very undergarment person like it's a big thing for me so just things that I even think about basically was the focus and then having the design be lovely and beautiful and how people you know would love to wear it and feel good in but that was the main thing making sure that she had her kind of questions answered and making sure that it's it's a real woman it's not you know a catwalk piece that walks down and is not going to be in the real world it's just going to be hanging like a couture piece or something that is not actually functional mm. but yeah that was one one thing I was really really focused on yeah that's some amazing points that you said there so even when I did my fitting I had the model sit down in every single piece because I was like I want to see mm exactly how you sit down because if you're like having to like you when you go yeah. in slowly like into the chair because you literally are so scared you're gonna pop the zip or something like that I wanted anybody that wears it to feel comfortable and it also comes down to some of the material that you choose as well like it might not be stretchy but it can be generous so it, you can still move around you can wiggle you can feel really comfortable in it which is just key but I think ultimately it just again comes down to knowing who your customer is and knowing those questions that she'll ask right I remember I worked in All Saints and Blue Water like years and years ago as a stylist. And I remember at the time I was like, oh, this job is so boring, like, you know, reading <laughs> and everything. But as you're speaking, I remember like even just now when I design how much I think about those women and the comments that they'll make. Because my like, you know, they will call you a stylist, i.e. just a sales assistant. And I'll spend yeah. a lot of time at the fitting rooms, which if you do work in retail and fashion, spend a lot of time at the fitting rooms and hear what their complaints are. And a lot of it was, oh, my bum looks too big which is crazy because now everybody, everybody wants yeah, a big ass, right? Yeah. Exactly. Or oh, I don't like the way my arms show, my shoulders are too this or too that, or I've got sunburn here, or whatever it was, there's always something. And yeah. it just makes you think when you design, okay, like how can I solve that issue for that woman or man, yeah. you know, so that when they look at my brand, we've got something. And it's not every single design, but it's just having something that can cater for them. It's not just yeah. catering for like, a certain demographic is catering for actual issues that they might have yeah and you can't solve everything you can't be mm. everything I mean my motto is you know not to be everything to everyone is to be something to someone and I want girls to feel like when they look at the collection because not everything is out yet 
you know, there are other pieces that someone might connect to more than what I've currently got. And again, I try to not be like, you know, making everything, all different kinds of things for every kind of body type. For example, you know, my trousers are like probably a bit short for a tall. They're not super, super long, but they're not super short. They are kind of based to my height. I'm about 176 or something. And they're not the lengths and things that are... I've tried to just keep everything quite standard at the moment because I can't do a petite range, a tall range, a this range. You know, I'm a small brand and I'm just... I don't even know if I have that demand in that, you know. If I if I have it, then great. And I'm happy to cater to it. But you just I didn't want to be the brand that was everything and anything you need is here. No, it's it's very it's quite specific. The styles are quite specific, but that's how you know if somebody is coming to you that they want, you know, they want to, they want to be here, they want your pieces and they believe in the brand. And that's who I am trying to speak to more mm-hmm. than everyone come. There's something for everyone. It's like it's impossible. You know, I'm not Zara. <laughs> Zara aren't even for everyone. Like, yeah, well, Zara, amazing. exactly. We're not actually, but yeah. it's, you know, it's, um, it's difficult to, as a new brand, to be super inclusive of all shapes and sizes and everything because there's only so much you can do. But it's something I always keep in mind. And I'm just, I love when people say, oh, I wish this was this, even now with the current designs. For example, with the open backs, I wear things under to show, you know, you don't have to have your back out because some people might get worried that, like, oh, I can't wear that, it's open. But you can wear things under it. You can put it on to go to work and then run for drinks or dinner or whatever, or a christening or a wedding. And that's what, you know, the brand is about in the sense of the clothes aren't for a specific occasion. They're just, you know, it's whatever you want. It's, it's your the, the Levan girls, whatever she wants to be. It's, there's no specific, you know, I'm looking for a party dress. I'm going to go to this brand. I didn't want to be like that. It yeah. was more like whatever your occasion is, I'm sure that the, the star would fit. Well, that's a perfect segue into my next question because you celebrate women so much and it does feel like every day is International Women's Day <laughs> just from your the community that you've created and everything. So who is the Levan's woman and what does she look like? What does she aspire to be? Like, who does she influence? Yeah. I always get stuck on this question because I, I have an image of her, obviously, but I kind of don't like to narrow it down to, for example, there's no age. My mum weighs my stuff. Um, you know, she's 16, she, she, you know, she's not super tall, she's, you know, she's just a normal woman, and she wears it, she loves it, um, my friends, obviously, all different shapes and sizes and styles, so I don't like to narrow her down too much, because in my mind, the main thing that she is, I, I need to explain what the name is, so it explains, so Lavand Stories, it's an Iranian word, Lavand, I thought it meant something else, so I thought it meant sweet and cute and oh, because as a, I've heard people say in Iranian, oh, she's so lavand. I thought it meant she's so sweet and she's so cute. And obviously, I was thinking, why are they saying, you know, what does that mean? It must mean that, you know, it must mean that. And um, I think I was called it, but when I found out the real meaning, I was like, I can't be called that because the real meaning is not nice. But I think even maybe my own cousins and things, we all must have got it mixed up. So the point was that they were calling me this word when I grew up and I actually googled it after I launched the brand under it it did not mean cute and sweet it actually meant like super flirtatious slash that kind of girl a bit like <laughs> that kind of girl I just thought oh my god that's so not what I thought it was but this is perfect because that's exactly who my Levan girl is she's not one thing she's every like she's all there's so many sides to her and she's not narrowed in a box. She's not put in a box. She's whatever she wants to be. Because I thought the brand was one thing name-wise. 
and it was completely something else. So that is exactly what the brand represents for me as the woman. She is so many different things, so many layers, so many personalities that I don't want women to feel like they have to be a certain way or a certain type or this isn't how I dress or no, this is my style. You can be so many different things. And also I love to see different girls, all different styles coming and wearing the same thing. And I'm like, oh my God, look how she wore it. And look how she wore it. This is amazing. As opposed to having like, the Levan girl looks like this and we are all like this. You know, I want it to be very, very open to everyone. Um, so that's where, that's what I think of the Levan girl. She's she's not one kind of type. She's, she's I want the girl to be different things and not be judged for it. Like whatever she wants to be, she wants to change her mind tomorrow and believe in something else. She should be open to that. You know, she should yeah. be open whatever you want to do, especially because I switched careers so dramatically. That's me now. Yeah, I did that. Now I do this. So what? Like that is the kind of essence of who the Levan girl is. No, I absolutely love that. And obviously running a fashion business is a very difficult thing to do. And we've spoken a bit about, you know, the challenges that you face when, you know, creating your collection and everything. But have you had an like I quit moment post-launch? where you've been like, oh, I feel like my efforts aren't being appreciated or I just feel really down, really doubting things. Because I'm one person, and as much as I do have my husband and like my brother helping, obviously my family is supportive, but I have my like, husband helping with the business side of things, so he kind of does carry that a bit more. However, I'm still, it's me. It all comes from me. You know, I can't just sit back and do nothing so it's 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 really hard I found to do everything and it gets to the point where you're like oh my god I'm so, I'm spread so thin you know just doing everything myself because even my husband says you know get some help but I'm just so anal I'm so I'm not I don't feel ready to have somebody else help as opposed to if I had that it would be so much more beneficial because I'm busy doing other things you know more business related and actually helps the business grow but for me personally I found it stressful doing everything but at the beginning of a launch and a brand that is what you're doing and it's good to do it this way around even if you had budgets to hire a whole team the fact that I've had to do everything and be involved in everything has given me a better understanding of what the hell's going on so when I hopefully do have a bit of a team and a support I know what's going on I'm not just sitting here like what what was that and just designing like I actually know the other side of it my main frustration was probably factory situations because it's like I'm in the middle pattern cutter factory both saying different things both no, this is right. No, this is right. And I'm in the middle. Like, look, I don't know. I don't know. You two need to figure this out because I can't sew this and I can't do the patterns. You know, this is what you guys are doing. I'm just trying to make this work. So that's something that was really stressing me out. But other than that, it's all been like, luckily, good stresses, nothing crazy. There have been times when there's not sales coming through and things like that. And you're like, well, fuck this. But I, you know, then there's days that are amazing. So you just have to take each day slowly and then get be realistic. I mean, if it gets to a point where if you are having your brand and it isn't for whatever reason doing well, because I've again, I've said to myself, if it gets to a point, if I ever have no sales and nothing ever happens ever again, touch wood, it's not there. But if that ever, ever happened for whatever reason, You've got to just be real with yourself and be like, right, okay, great, this is what I'm going to do now. And that's what I was saying. Always have some sort of plan. It's not always going to stay that way. You're not going to start a straight line. But just kind of be real with yourself. So when I would get stressed about things and want to give up, I'm I'm doing it now. Like, just keep going. What is the point in giving up now? Mm. 
So that's the main thing. And having little chats with yourself, you know, and remember and, and be confident. Be like, no, remember who you are. Like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. At, I'm good at this. I'm, I'm okay. I'm worthy. I'm good. I can do it. It does help because you don't, you, you can't wait for someone to tell you that, by the way, you're doing great. No, tell yourself and then keep going. Like, that's the main thing. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, it won't be arrogant and, oh, I'm amazing. There's a very fine line. But you're allowed to say, I'm, I'm good. I know what I'm doing. I've thought about this. And I know my strengths. That's another thing. Like, know your strengths. Because if you're just trying to lie to yourself and pretend you, you can do something. Like, for example, if you're not good at doing tech packs or drawing, get someone to do it if you can. Or learn to do it. Try to just learn. If you can't outsource it or budgets are tight, just learn it. Um, I'm trying to learn editing, videography stuff, you know, just to, because all this is quite expensive. I'm trying to learn skills that can help me to do things myself, as opposed to always looking to get it done by someone else. Mm. Just as learn as many things you can at the beginning so you can save, save a bit. Yeah. And I actually have to give you a shout out because you're talking about your pattern cutter and we have the same pattern cutter who is amazing. So thank you. I so know, is she? She's the best, like the yeah. best. So thank you so much for that plug because oh, you're welcome. That collection wouldn't have, wouldn't have happened without you <laughs> giving me that oh, pattern. No, that's great. No, see, I love, I love. Um, obviously, I get a lot of questions like, "Where's this? Where's that? What's this? What's that? Where's your pattern?" You know, sometimes I'm more than happy to like with you. I obviously have a friendship. We talk. It's great. But there's a, you know, you do get people asking things. Not even hi, not even. By the way, your brand is lovely. I'm following it. Just lie. Just pretend you love the brand. <laughs> and you get where's your pattern cutter? Because I've obviously I get it. I've just posted a factory picture. They want to know. Fine. But I don't necessarily want to direct people exactly to what I did because it might not work out. Things go wrong. Um, their relationship isn't great. Then you get the blame. Then. So it's best for me, what I like to do is just give the advice on what to do, but not literally always tell everybody where to go because you do have to find what works for you. And like, obviously when we're speaking and you were having, trying to figure out what you're doing and different pattern cutters, obviously I knew she is insane. And that's why I was confident to tell you. And it's such a difficult thing to find that. And, it, and that's why I feel bad for like, if people are searching, it is like, where do I look? What do I do? It is really daunting. Like, it's not just a simple Google thing because a lot of these factories aren't even on Google and they don't even have Instagram pages. Exactly. It's really difficult to find and they're so old school. Mm. But the main thing is when you go to one door, because I found the pattern cutter from six different factories, when you go in one door, just try. And, you know, I'm saying to anybody listening that's trying to figure out how to get into something it will always lead to somewhere else so don't feel scared that like you know if, if you went and met a factory or a pattern cut or whoever and it didn't work out it's okay because it's giving you some sort of experience and what to do then you know what you do like what is good because I've worked with another pattern cutter and I just didn't feel it was working and then you know that's why when I worked with my current one everything just clicked and you know and you know what you want they know what you like and it and, and you build that relationship but just don't be put off by things not happening straight away and first time amazing no 100 percent. yeah like it's literally a trial and error and even with that it's like it's just sometimes like I actually had a DM recently and they're like hi where do you get your garment ladies from this person has never DM'd me in their life and yeah. not even like a please and like you said not even like just fake it and be like hey love your brand blah 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 
nothing. Yeah. And just say something. Just yeah, pretend. A certain entitlement. And then I didn't reply, obviously. And then the person did that two question marks, like two days later. And I literally just deleted the message. I was thinking, you must be mad. I'm not going to reply to you. But you're not my friend. And the truth is, unless I'm like coaching you or you're my friend or there is something yeah. about you and I just like you, then I'll give yeah, you the information. Yeah. But otherwise, I've had to work for six years to get to know all of this. Yes, and you're literally exactly. asking for six years six years of information or six years of grinding to know that information you want yeah. that in a minute that's just yeah. not like realistic. that's something that's something I do want to I mean usually you know it's not like oh I'm not helping anybody because all I'm I want to help I want to help but at the end of the day I'm human so think about what you you want something right you want something for me so don't be silly just think about what you're going to do you're going to get what you want you know tell me like how you're working in fashion and you really need the help and stuff and that's fine but you it's the way you speak to people it's not so much you know I don't mind if you ask but I think because we're putting things out there we're showing factories we're doing behind the scenes because it's like a double-ended kind of sword because you want to show I'm talking to my customers as well as other girls or boys who want to get into fashion but I want them to know where their stuff's being made I want them to be on the journey I want but at the same time I'm opening myself up to people asking and feeling entitled and wanting to know what I'm doing now how why where is it and so I get it it's okay and I understand if someone's talking like that they're obviously so stressed out and so they just don't know what to do anymore and they just want to get the answer so I I understand it, but a tip is like be clever about it at least. Be a bit clever. (laughs) But hopefully, if anyone's listened to this and they've done that before, then we've given you a little tip on how to approach people because relationship building is everything, especially fashion. Words and then we all just melt. Like it's very easy. Get what you want, and we get what, and everybody's happy. Everybody's happy. It could be very simple. (laughs) Exactly. So, what advice would you give to someone who wants to start their own brand but don't necessarily have the confidence to commit or the finances to commit to it? How would you suggest they overcome those fears and just go for it? Well, the first thing I would suggest, and especially this isn't the way I necessarily did it, but now looking back, like the first thing I would say, yeah, is to have a strong understanding of what you want to make. You know, what, what is it you want to design and what's the reason? I worked with Elizabeth Styles, who was my like business fashion mentor, who's amazing, by the way. She um, really brought out like my why and like, why am I doing this? What's it for? Which at first, obviously, I thought, oh, my God, why am I? I didn't even know how to answer it. So when I got into it, really, really, really studied and really thought about it a bit more deeper, that helped me to develop my designs like everything I did, I had that in my mind, and anything I was coming coming across, any problems that kept coming up, my why, and that was something I was so driven by, and like like the book, things like this is what pushed me. So just think about why you want the brand. You know, is do you just want a brand to say I've got a brand? And because it's fucking hard, like you're not going to be able to just you know, obviously, hopefully you do succeed, but it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be quick. So if you're not in it for the long haul and you're not in it for the real reasons, you're going to get fed up. You're going to waste shitloads of money and you're just going to be like, again, back to square one. So I think the main thing is to know why you're doing it. Make sure it's, it's a real valid reason. And then just like research, you know, other designers. Start, start collecting things from other brands that you love and curating a little kind of, you know, mood board and understanding of what it is you want to make. And then, yeah, researching factories, 
think about where you want, what country you want to get it made, you know, and just make those little steps. But the main thing I would start with is having a chat with yourself about, okay, why do I want to do this? Because this isn't a cool, fun thing to jump on. Like this is a business and it's hard and it's, and it's real. So you're only really going to keep going if it's coming from a deep place and a real place. Before you start designing and sketching, actually, before all the fun stuff, think about this stuff and obviously think about budgets and what you've got to spend because it is going to, you do need something, even if it's a small amount, something to buy fabric, to get sample made, you know, samples are not easy, are not cheap. So yeah, that's probably the main thing I'd say. Definitely. Um, very, very popular book, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of business yeah. people recommend that. So if you're listening, go and grab that book on Amazon. Yeah. Um, so what's your future vision for the brand? Where do you want to go? Um, at the moment, I feel like it's a new brand because I've just made my first collection and I've got a drop coming. Well, I mean, at the moment, the next drop's probably end of August. So I've got a whole rest of a collection to, well, you can see it here, but it's not very clear. You can see like every month it's like planned out. I've got that. I just want to focus on getting this collection out and every drop for the next few months to just go smoothly and, you know, get everything out there and slowly start developing um, a bit more of a stronger community and having pop-up shops, having, you know, events where other women can talk about business and things like that as a, a just away from just the clothes. I don't want it to just be about, oh, here's my clothes. You know, I want there to be a lot more substance to the brand. So that's what I'm trying to look into for next year getting the uh, my customers I want to meet them I want to talk to them I want to like interact having the clothes in a space where they can actually touch it see it um developing that side of the business is probably what I'm going to start focusing on a bit more which is why I designed everything and had everything sorted shot done so I'm not having to design every single time I drop something I've kind of batch done it so then I can focus on the other stuff and have little nice little cute you know, drops in between new little fabrics to go with the season and whatever's happening at the time, Christmas, summer. But yeah, the main thing is I just want to grow the women in the community so far. I want them to start interacting and, and feel like they've got a little kind of bond as opposed to it just be about the brand and them. I want them to start interacting with each other. So I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to do that. But um, that's probably my main thing more than, you know, just having people buy my clothes I want them to actually have a bit more of a say in everything and get them together so where can our listeners find you um so my Instagram for the brand is Levan stories and my personal Instagram is Neda underscore Levan and the website obviously everything's on the Instagram page levanstories.com um and yeah you can see I mean my personal Instagram I show behind the scenes of what I'm doing day to day with the business. And then obviously I try to put that on the brand's page as much as I can as well. And um, yeah, if you come on, come say hi. I'd love to talk to people like in the DMs. I do like, and I try to like reply as much as I can. It's um, I mean, I'm not getting thousands of messages. The few that do come through, I, I love to talk to people and like, you know, conversate. So come over. No, definitely. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to put all of that in the episode description. So they'll have links. You can go and find you. But this has been such an amazing conversation, Edda. So thank, oh, thank you, you for so your time. Much. Well, thank you for being happy to have me. I'm so, I feel like I've broken my um, podcast virginity. <laughs> um, it's good because it makes you more confident to do more. And Well, this has been a while in the making because we started talking yeah. about this in like February. 
and it's now yeah. July. So we got there eventually. <laughs> I'm so honoured that you were happy to. I was like, do you still want me? Of course. Like, yes. But yeah, it was amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you're inspired to take action on your dreams right away. If you enjoyed it, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps us expand our show and reach more people just like you. Until next time, keep striving and thriving.